This is Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. Cross Hope is broadcast daily and shares five minutes of hope and encouragement from the Word of God. Our companion website is www.crosshope.org. Now with today's uplifting message, here's Randy. Well, since today is Veterans Day 2019, we thought we'd pull away from our Joshua series to share a message that speaks to veterans and speaks to all of us, frankly. It's a message about guilt and fear from Psalm 102. What do those two things have with each other? A lot in common. You find a fearful man, you see a a guilty man sometimes. You see a guilty man or woman, you see a fearful man or woman. So we pull away from the Joshua series to look at Psalm 102 about the subject of fear and guilt. God bless you, especially on this Veterans Day today and all this week. Some of you know who the actor is when I just say his name, Gary Sinise. I think he's a regular on a regular weekly television show, but he's best known for the role that he played in a movie years ago. He played Lieutenant Dan movie called Forrest Gump, played an amputee from Vietnam. Gary Sinise would write about a true story regarding the Vietnam War out of his own life that I I was deeply moved by this. He says this, my brother-in-law Jack was a combat medic in Vietnam. He had heard the horror stories about soldiers returning from Vietnam being spit upon, shouted at, cursed, in the worst possible language, as they came back into the United States. So when Jack arrived back in the United States, he'd heard these stories. He was both fearful and probably feeling some guilt, imagined guilt perhaps. Here he was just a combat medic treating wounded people, but feeling guilty for being a part of the war, quote-unquote. That as soon as he landed at the United States airport, he immediately ran into the restroom and immediately took off his uniform and put on some civilian clothes, just so he wouldn't have to be taunted by people as he walked down the concourse of that airport. What a, what a tragedy. What a shame. Returning after being in Vietnam a year or two, and then saying, man, i got to get my, these clothes off right away and get into my civilian clothes. But that's what Gary Sinise said his brother-in-law Jack had to do. Guilt and fear go together. Show me somebody who's guilty, and I'll show you somebody who is fearful. Show me somebody who's fearful, and you might find somebody who's guilty. Guilt and fear really, really do dovetail together. And you say, why are you talking about that? Today, in the fifth of seven penitential psalms, seven sequential psalms in the book of Psalms, David, in dealing with his guilt over committing adultery and murder, goes through talking about his guilt, his conviction, his repentance, his confession, all of the above dealt with in seven sequential psalms that we study today, the fifth one, Psalm 102, where David today talks about the physiological symptoms of guilt. Guilt has a power in your body. And you know what? Just believing something has power in your body physically. I tell this story, I laugh about it now, but it was true. It wasn't a laughing matter to me years ago. When I was in school in Cincinnati at Cincinnati Christian University, in my second or third year, I developed pain in my upper stomach. It just, just would not go away. And one of the guys in the dorm who I think took first aid class said, you've got an ulcer. So he's the expert. He took first aid. And he convinced me that I had an ulcer. 
And the more that I thought about having an ulcer, the worse the pain got. The worse the pain got, the more I thought about having an ulcer. It was just a cycle. Think about the pain, think about ulcer, pain, ulcer, think. And I was convinced, I mean totally convinced. Finally go to a doctor, the school doctor. He runs the typical test that you do for somebody who suspects an ulcer. And he called me in. He said, "Uh, Randy, you don't have an ulcer. I don't. Two days later, the pain was gone. Well, since yesterday was Veterans Day 2019, we thought we'd pull away from the Joshua series just for one week as we look at Penitential Psalm, one of the psalms that deals with guilt and fear. Uh, Psalm 102, not just directed at veterans, it's directed at all of us. But there's some Veterans Day type illustrations in this message. We thought we'd air it all this week on Crossup. God bless you as you listen to part two today. What had haunted me for months, two days after being told, you don't have an ulcer, the pain was gone. You know what that taught me? The power of the mind with illness in convincing yourself that you've got a problem. And guilt can do the same thing. There's things that guilt will do to you emotionally and physically that you never knew. And today in Psalm 102, we're going to read where David describes just one after another physiological symptoms of guilt. And he didn't know Christ. He didn't know about the cross like you do, like I do. He didn't know about redemption. He didn't know about the grace and the mercy of God as manifested in what Christ did through his death on the cross. But you do. You do, and so do I. Let's read it together. It's in Psalm 102 today as we continue this series called the Penitential Psalms. Psalm 102, beginning in verse 3. David is speaking, and he says, For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. Because of my groaning, my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I am like an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. Can you imagine anyone using your name as a curse word? That's what they did with David. They used his name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. Leonard Griffin, or Griffith, was a minister in Toronto, Canada for years. He wrote a book about Psalms, probably some of the greatest insight I've ever read in the book of Psalms by Leonard Griffin. I think he had some psychiatric background as a psychologist, if my memory is correct. He said this, a procession of people passes through my mind. Leading the line is Bill, whose right arm hangs withered at his side. He's followed by Marjorie, who cannot get married because she is dominated by demanding parents. Along comes Frank, whose grown son is too mentally unstable to hold a job, but not mentally stable enough to be brought under control. In the distance, I can see Mary, whose husband is an alcoholic, and I see Tom, who hates his job and is up to his ears in debt. These people have one thing in common. They all bear burdens that slow down their footsteps and make the journey of life exceedingly difficult. The burdens are not always visible because many people don't like to advertise their troubles. 
But look into their faces and you'll see the lines of anxiety. Look at their shoulders and you will see signs of strain. In fact, look long enough at this never-ending procession of people and you will recognize some of your friends. You may even recognize yourself. I'm going to reread that second paragraph again, but I'm going to substitute the word guilt in there and see how it applies. These people have one thing in common. They all bear the burden of guilt that slows down their footsteps and makes the journey of life difficult. And we'll continue the standalone message from Psalm 102 tomorrow on CrossHope. That's crosshope.org. I'm going to reread that second paragraph again, but I'm going to substitute the word guilt in there and see how it applies. These people have one thing in common. They all bear the burden of guilt that slows down their footsteps and makes the journey of life difficult. The burdens are not always visible because many people don't like to advertise their guilt, but look into their faces and you will see the lines of guilt. Look at their shoulders and you will see the signs of the strain of guilt. In fact, look long enough at this never-ending procession and you will recognize some of your friends. You may even recognize yourself. Guilt has more to do with how you feel than you'd think it does. Guilt may have more to do with your health than you think it does. What I want to do is just look at some of the figurative expressions that David used. And remember, David didn't have a medical background at all, even in that day. He'd never been to a cardiologist when he talks about his heart. He'd never been to a sleep study when he talks about not being able to sleep. He didn't have available to him what you and I have available to us today. But see if you can put this together, what he was going through. In verse 3, For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. I disagree with most of the commentaries that I read on this verse that said the phrase smoke has to do with the vanishing nature of life. And that could very well be it. But you know what I thought of when I read that? My days vanish like smoke. Have you ever described your life in this way? I feel like I'm walking in a fog. You ever felt that? Sure you have. All of us have. And I wonder, in my own mind, in my own interpretation of this, was David talking about being in the days that sometimes we're in when there's a crisis emotionally in your marriage, there's a crisis in the family, and you feel like you're just walking in a fog. It doesn't feel real. There's something surreal about the the moment. Maybe that's what he was describing. And when he says, my bones burn like glowing embers, I think he was talking about arthritic pain. Ironically, after the first service, a woman said when her arthritis gets so bad in her hands, she said, I can't even touch my hands because of the pain, the exterior pain on her skin. And there is tremendous pain that she feels and experiences with her arthritis. When he says, my heart is blighted, verse 4, and withered like grass, I forget to eat my food. He's not, he had no inclination about what his physical condition of his heart. He used agricultural terms. That's what he used. My heart is blighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. I've been with families at hospitals where there's a crisis with a family. And one of the family members will be sick. And I'll ask somebody, have you had lunch? Have you eaten? They said, no, I can't eat. I, I can't even think about food. I'm so focused on my dad. I'm so focused on mom. I'm so focused on our son or daughter. I'm not even thinking about food. 
Now, I had some fun with verse 5, and I just say this for fun. Because of my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. Some of you need to groan more. Some of you will get it later. Because of my loud groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. When he said, I am like a desert owl, like an owl among the ruins, and I'm like a lone bird on a roof. It's talking about the loneliness of guilt. You know, some of the loneliest moments in a man's life when he's waking in the middle of the night with guilt, it's lonely. Some of the loneliest moments in a woman's life when she wakes up at four in the morning and she's thinking about something that's happened, that is called the loneliness of guilt. And that's physiologically what David was experiencing. Well, the standalone message from Psalm 102 continues tomorrow on Crossope. Our website is crossope.org. What did he mean when he said, I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears? I didn't understand it until I read one of the commentaries. He literally was eating ashes. For you see, he would have taken ashes like out of a fireplace. And one of the things you did of repentance, you would take ashes and you would literally put them on your head. I mean, we can't imagine that today to show humiliation, humbling yourself before the Lord. And so those ashes would literally fall in his food. He was eating ashes, figuratively and literally, as he ate and his tears filled his glass. And he attributes it in verse 10 to God's wrath, which is interesting. You say, was it God's wrath? Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, he thought it did. He attributed it to God's wrath. It may have been. It may not have been. But he believed it to be. You have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I have withered away like grass. That tells me about the debilitating power of guilt. Listen carefully. Guilt will destroy more things in your life emotionally than a lot of other things that you think are bigger than guilt. Would you listen to that again? Guilt will do a lot of emotional damage in your life that you don't give it credit for, but it will. And that withering away phrase is a phrase that David used because that's all he could come up with. But there are all kinds of terms you could come up with and I could come up with about the destructive nature of guilt. Annie and I recently watched a movie at home that we had not seen in the theaters, although I understood it did play in the theaters. It was a movie about Rich Mullins. Rich Mullins was the songwriter who uh, was killed in an accident, I think, in 1996, uh, La Santa Illinois, on the freeway and driving a Jeep with a friend and lost his life. Tragic, tragic accident. But the thing about the movie about Rich Mullins that touched my life was not about Rich Mullins. It was about someone that Rich Mullins went to for counsel. His name was Brennan Manning, a former Catholic priest who was able to minister to Rich in a profound way about stuff going on in his life. And I want to tell you a little bit about Brendan Manning's story. Brendan Manning at one time was a former Marine himself, and after the Marines felt called to go into the priesthood and did, he struggled with alcoholism most of his life. He taught at one point in his ministry, he went, he joined the Little Brothers of Jesus, a Catholic order committed to imitating the life of Christ. Get this, they would humble themselves in doing just humble acts of kindness for people as their ministry. For instance, when he was in Spain, he would haul water to a village every day in a wagon pulled by a donkey. 
And that's what he did. That was his ministry, taking water to this village. Another time he helped a a brick mason. Another time he got a job washing dishes. And his most interesting job was he voluntarily checked himself into a European jail with hardened criminals, posing as a criminal so he could minister to the criminals there. Only the guards knew his real identity. He said, you never asked what the other prisoners were there for because they'd say, it's none of your business. When Manning said, when they would ask me the same question, I would say, it's none of your business why I'm here. He spent six months in a cave in the desert in Spain. Every Sunday, someone would drop off food, water, and kerosene for one lamp on a designated donkey, just send it in to the cave. Isn't that amazing? That's what he did for six months, trying to communicate with the Lord with a kerosene lamp and just read his Bible. Well, we'll conclude this standalone message from Psalm 102 tomorrow. I want you to hear the rest of this story by Brennan Manning and another story that I think will speak to you. Our website, of course, is crosshope.org. That's one word, crosshope.org. God bless you, and thanks for listening. And he said that on December 13, 1968, he said, I really believe the Lord gave me a message out of that experience. He felt the Lord say to him, I came to you, Brennan. You ran from me. You fled from me. You didn't want to hear my word. But for the love of you, I was covered with my blood. I was punched and beaten, and I was fixed to the wood of a cross. The message of God's persistent love etched itself in Manning's heart. And he said, I've counted on that so many times since then. I wrote all of that just to get to this part of the story. His struggle with alcoholism was a struggle that brought in a fiercer foe than alcoholism. He called it self-hatred. One of the greatest regrets of his life is all the time I've wasted in shame, guilt, remorse, and self-condemnation. He's not speaking about appropriate guilt that one feels after committing a sin. He's talking about wallowing in guilt, almost indulging in it, which basically, he says, is a kind of idolatry where I'm the center of my focus and concern. I never heard anyone say that sometimes wallowing in guilt can be a form of idolatry. Wow. Does that speak to anybody? That sometimes we can be so focused on our guilt, it's all about me and my guilt. And he said he came to the place where he realized he had to take his eyes off his guilt and put them on the cross. And it wasn't about his guilt. It was about what Christ did on the cross redemptively for him. I think it's a powerful message for somebody today. And maybe you've been wallowing in guilt, and you're just shocked by what you did 10 years ago, and you're horrified by what you did. And it's time to say, enough is enough. I acknowledge my sin. I own it. I admit it, but I confess it, and I trust the Lord's forgiveness. And I think there's a powerful message there. He said, I've got to stop wasting time being shocked and horrified at how I failed the Lord and start focusing on his success on the cross and what he accomplished. That is a word today for somebody. A year ago, I told you that I'm a World War II history buff. So when our daughter and son-in-law and grandchildren moved to Stuttgart, Germany, I was really interested in what happened in Stuttgart, Germany, during World War II. I was amazed at what I was able to find out. I found out that the 8th Air Force and the Royal Air Force dropped 142,000 bombs 
on the city of Stuttgart. I had no idea they counted, you know, that they knew how many bombs were dropped, 142,000. But the most remarkable part of the story, and some of you remember this from a year ago, there were 15 million cubic meters of rubble after the war. Think about that. And those of you that know anything about rubble, 15 million cubic meters of rubble, so much so that somebody came up with a bright idea, let's create a mountain on the outskirts of town. And it's a huge mountain. It's the highest point in Stuttgart. It's called Birkenkopf, and you go up to the top on a trail. And what's remarkable to me about this mountain of rubble is at the top of the mountain is a 40-foot cross. And instantly I thought of the hymn, In the Cross of Christ I Glory, towering o'er the wrecks of time. The cross of Christ not only towers over a place called Stuttgart, Germany, that lost 4,000 people in World War II and 15 million cubic meters of rubble. The cross of Christ, get this, towers over the wreckage of your life and mine. really does. Well, I hope this message about guilt and fear from Psalm 102 speaks to your heart today. Our message series from Joshua resumes next week on CrossHope. That's crosshope.org. You've been listening to Cross Hope with Randy Snyder. For more information about this ministry or to re-listen to any message heard on this broadcast, go to our website at crosshope.org. Be sure to join us at this same time each weekday or listen at www.crosshope.org. Cross Hope is listener-supported and is produced by Cross Hope Ministries, Incorporated.